Welcome back to a new season of Wim Radio. Uh, the puck is about to drop on the new season of Red Wings Hockey, and we have our season preview episode for you. Joining me for this episode is JJ. JJ, what's going on tonight? Oh, I am super duper excited that the the doldrums of summer have passed. We are in the fall. We are getting fall weather, and we are getting Red Wings Hockey uh, very soon. Yes. Um, and we, we also got a, uh, a wonderful new Dylan Larkin ad. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's fun. I'm kind of surprised, like, uh, not to spoil anything, because, like, we actually could, you know, by the time we finish recording or by the time we get to this segment, we could have a reader question about it. I'm kind of surprised we didn't get a reader question about it, um, unless I missed it. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Um, oh, I forgot to say before, so I'm your host, uh, Peter, for tonight, um, and we are going to, uh, like I said, this is going to be our season preview episode, uh, so the most logical thing to do is to uh, talk about, you know, what's been going on since uh, we've had training camp, we've had preseason games, uh, and so we're going we're gonna to jump right in there. Um, so I think maybe the best way to start it off is... Um, JJ, I'm going to ask you, like, what do you think are your biggest surprises about the preseason? Uh, you know, positive, negative, whatever, and then we'll go from there. Uh, I got to say the biggest surprise for me is probably how quickly Adam Ernie grew on me. Like, he's not he's not great or anything. He's, he's not, you know, he's probably a, a middle six grinder kind of guy, but he's got the promise for me of like what I was hoping Justin Ablocator could do from, you know, more than one season after signing that deal. Uh, he's kind of a, a mean guy, but he's got uh, decent hockey skills. I really like seeing that. And honestly, I just like seeing the kids. I, I, I guess, no, the, the number one absolute biggest surprise was how mature uh, Mo Sider that kid has been uh, a, amazing to me, and I'm I'm trying not to get all all goo-goo-eyed on on him because I I've got kind of a bad habit of doing that with with young defensive prospects uh, going <laughs> going all the way back to Derek Meech. Um, but hopefully, I'm going to try to take off the JJ curse and and hope that that Mo Sider lives up to the the, the promise that he's shown and the brief limps I've had of him. Yeah, I mean, obviously, as uh, readers know, I have always been a fan of Mo Sider. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of wondering how, uh, <laughs> on the one hand, I, I'm very, very happy that he's doing well, obviously, as a fan of the team. Um, but I'm also just kind of dreading, like, having the, that headline, like, like, put back to me in comment sections for like the next 20 years. Um, but you know what? If that means that we got a really good defenseman, I'll take it. That's fine. Uh, so obviously on the last episode, we kind of talked about that, uh, you know, about the, uh, um, you know, kind of the expectations coming out of the draft and how he's been a, a, a very pleasant surprise, um, you know, to a lot of people. So, um, I mean, I, I definitely think that's good. You know, um, 
from from watching him, I know, uh, you know, based on what you said, and I mean, I've seen Prashanth really talk about this is just how um, I guess you could say calm he is with the puck. Um, And, you know, after seeing a lot of our defensemen, uh, you know, you know, it seems like the idea is, you know, let's try to get the puck up ice quickly, which is obviously good um but we haven't really had the skill level for a lot of players to be able to do that so it's kind of led to a lot of you get the puck and it's almost like uh you know the hot potato or or something like that um and just to see kind of the poise that he has when he gets the puck under pressure is is a really it's really nice to see because i i i we haven't seen that in a while yeah plus he's got a nice little mean streak um yeah, on the the negative side, like I'm really bummed that uh, like Zadina didn't get a chance to score more because I was re- I was pretty impressed with the way he played in the preseason. It's just mm-hmm. that's in it, it's on it, a small sample size like the preseason, like during any time, you can see a guy just he's doing all the right things and just kind of being cold. Like Zadina wasn't like, I mean, he wasn't perfect. He wasn't doing all the right things because you know, he's still a kid, but I don't think that the score sheet accurately represented the kind of play that he put forward. And I'm, I'm kind of bummed about that because I did kind of want to see him starting the season with the team, especially looking at the way the team did get put together. Um, oh, yeah. Other disappointing wise, like, Trevor Daly just looks like the same Trevor Daly that I was expecting him to happen. So I don't know if that's disappointing because it lives up to expectations, but or, or down to expectations, if you will. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you know, uh, you know, latching on to that last part, um, it's tough because you know, going into this season, you know, like, you know, coming off of last season and the off season and then going into the preseason right now, uh, well, you know, just finishing up the preseason, um, you know, we, 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 we seem to have some, you know, defensemen that could play better than the, the veteran defensemen that we've had. Like, you know, so, for, you know, for right now, I mean, from what I've seen of late, I mean, actually of last season too, you know, if we were to trade out, um, you know, Trevor Daly for Joe Hicketts, I think that that's going to be an upgrade. You know, I don't think it's going to light our team on fire, but I think right now, I think, you know, that would be a better, you know, I think the team would play better. Um, Obviously Erickson, um, you know, it's going to be a big question mark about his, his injury. Uh, status because from from what I've I've seen like he hasn't skated in a while um, I'm pretty sure he's not going to play in the season opener at least because um, I think the last last I saw he wasn't even skating right is, is, is that correct yeah Before today I... they mentioned he had a setback apparently so I'm, I'm not expecting him to yeah to skate for a while yeah so I mean like if you look at um, and you know, we're going to talk about this a little bit in a little bit more detail later but if you look at like the lines that they had at practice um, you know, obviously like, uh, you know, Hronik and, and Chalowski, um, I mean, you know, I, I think Chalowski for me is going to be a pleasant surprise, not in the, you know, not as much as, as cider. Um, it's kind of like what you said before, but the opposite with daily is like, I, I, I figured that he was going to be better than last year. Um, 
with the amount of improvement he made going into last season where, you know, nobody thought he was going to make the team out of training camp. And even with the injuries, I mean, he looks really good at the start of the season. Obviously, you know, by the time he was sent down to Grand Rapids, I think it was pretty clear that he needed to go down there. Um, You know, but the first part of the season, you know, he definitely showed a lot of promise. And one of the things I was hoping which I ended up seeing is that he would kind of have that, you know, kind of have that, that jump forward again. And it definitely seems like he's, you know, a better play. Actually, I think he, I think you said this in the comments today. And, and I agree that he right now, he is a better player than he was at the beginning of last season. And that's obviously going to be very helpful for the team. Um, you know, going into training camp, he seemed like, he was going to be destined to start the season in Grand Rapids and he's going to start the season in Detroit. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that. Like we said, you know, if Daly's out, if Erickson's out, um, another name that uh, actually, I guess by the time we hear this, I, I guess by the time people can hear this um, very shortly after uh, our bold predictions article is going to be out. Um, and one of the things I had on there was about Franz Nielsen. Um, I mean, it makes me sad to say it, but I, I really I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure how much he's going to play this year. Uh, you know, I think I think the injury at the end of last year, I think it really hurt him more than maybe they tried to let on. Um, and I think it's going to be interesting to see if he, you know, you know how he does this year. Because I'm unfortunately, I mean, I, I'm a big Nielsen fan for his whole career, but I'm not really too positive that he's going to, you know, have a bounce back here to say the least. I guess. Yeah, I've got such a a bad feeling in the pit of my stomach with Nielsen. And I I hate it because it does like my memory of him all of last season was like, man, he just got rocked and he got, he got knocked around pretty bad last season. And I just cannot shake the feeling that uh, he may be starting to go down the, the Johan Franzen path. I think that the guy's gotten his, his head shaken up too many times that's what I'm really worried about. And, and like, there's no point in the team telling us that there's, there's no point in, and obviously my speculation on that is, is kind of mildly irresponsible to say the least, but I've, I've just got to worry about it. And because I really did, I really was pulling for Franz Nielsen. I knew that he was never going to live up to basically being the replacement for Pavel Datsuk that he was essentially signed for. But, um, you know, the, the writing on the wall kind of when they re-signed Philpola in terms of it just seemed like they were kind of hedging against what happened with, with Nielsen having gotten rocked so many times. It's just it's a really big worry with me, and it just it just sucks because I was rooting so hard for him. I, I knew he was never going to live up to the Pavel Datsuk thing, um, but he, he's, he, was, he was such a nice guy, and it's like it's not – it's the same – result is Steven Weiss, but I'm not as mad about it, essentially, if this is what ends up happening, because Steven Weiss tried to hide an injury from the Red Wings and ended up hurting himself more and ending his own career, where Franz Nielsen just went out there and gave it his all, and just shit kind of, just bad shit happened to him, essentially, so like, I don't want him to be done, uh, but if if it does happen, like, it's just I'm just worried about it, I, I don't have a better better thing to say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, like I, like I said before, you know, for people that don't know, I mean, I, I've been a big fan of his, his, his whole career. And uh, when we, 
when we signed him, you know, I mean, obviously we've, we've gone over this over and over and over again. Um, you know, the, you know, like you said, the contract, it was, it was, you know, too much, uh, you know, too much salary and too much term. Um, but I thought that we'd at least get, you know, a couple more years uh, of, you know, a serviceable, you know, third line type center out of him. And, you know, you know, kind of like what we've both been talking about. I mean, I'm, I don't know how much he's going to play this year. And, and, you know, if, if your, uh, your hunch is correct, I mean, I don't want him to play because I don't want him to get hurt worse. Cause that's obvious. I mean, you know, obviously we know, we, you know, unfortunately we know what that does to people and, and that's the last thing that we want to see. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and, 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 and also I think it's going to be interesting too, because, um, in in one of our one of our articles, one of our comment sec- uh, sections, somebody was talking about, or people were talking about the power play, and I wanted to talk a little spe- more specifically about that in a minute uh, or in a few minutes. But um, you know, Mike Green is going to be really interesting this season, I think, um, because it seems to me that a lot of times when people talk about Mike green, I'm not, I was not saying everybody, but when a lot of people talk about Mike green, it almost seems like they're talking about the Mike green of a few years ago, as opposed to the Mike green that we saw last season. Um, you know, he still definitely has some things to give, you know, he, it's, it's not like he's like a bad player or something, but you know, he doesn't really have the level of, of skill that he used to, or, you know, or he, you know, he's not able to kind of, take over a game or, you know, be like a big time defenseman like he used to be. And unfortunately, you know, for last year from doing the power play series, you know, he, he wasn't really that impressive to me last year where, you know, he has a reputation of being, you know, at the very least, he's going to be strong on the power play. Um, So I think it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what, what goes on with Mike Green, especially if we, end up looking to trade him uh, at the trade deadline because uh, we all know what happened last year. Yeah, we're kind of in the same boat with like Green as, as we are with, with Daly. Like, because you'd mentioned the team would probably be better if they just played Hicketts over, over Daly. And the team's power play would probably be better if they had uh, Chalowski and Aronic, uh quarterbacking that and just didn't bother with, with Mike Green. But there's also the consideration of and this is going to be an ongoing theme that, that I think that uh, I'm going to struggle with as a fan. I'm going to tell you right off the bat, and I, I hope – well, I don't hope. I, I have a feeling that a lot of the Red Wings fan base is going to struggle with the same case of you want to see the team improving and playing better and, and coming out of, of the, the really dark years from from the past – but you also want that you don't want it, it needs to happen at the right pace. So like we kind of need green yeah. and daily to be in the lineup, to play well enough to be trade worthy, or we just need to cut ties and say, okay, screw it. We're just going to waste this last season of their contract and just give that time to the kids. Um, I, at the very offset of the season, I'm for the to build their trade values. So yeah, your, uh, your power play series was, was really eye opening. Cause I, I'll admit like I test wise, I'm still on the, like, I feel like I'm still watching the, the Washington capitals, Mike green, but really what he does in the power play. I mean, he moves the puck up ice pretty well, but I, he's not the, he's not the right guy for that. The, the Red Wings have plenty of guys who can move the puck up the ice. Uh, his 
defining feature on the power play generally has been kind of taking, uh, high, making high risk passes. <laughs> and I, I don't want to, I don't want yeah. a guy to do that. I, I think there, there are better roles for the power play. So yeah, yeah I, it's kind of, I have no idea where my patience will wear completely out. I want Mike Green given a chance to build his trade value so that we can get rid of him. But I know we're not going to that's that trade isn't going to happen in November. So I don't know if I want to wait until 2020 for for that. And I promise to everybody listening uh, or if you're reading my comments, I'm going to vacillate between those two things all season long. I I, I can't promise which JJ will be on on which given day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I I definitely think it's um it, it it's going to be like it kind of feels like I think I'm trying to remember like when we talked about this. I, I know we talked about this on on an episode of this podcast at some point. Um, but like the last two seasons, there's definitely been a point at of the season where it was like, okay, I'm really ready for the season to be over. Um, yeah. And I think if I remember correctly, I reached that point a lot quicker two years ago. Like last year was. I didn't really feel that way until like almost right near the end. I was like, okay, that's okay. We're, okay. We're good. You know, let's just, uh, you know, let's just go on to the next year. Um, and I, I think, I think because partially because at the end of the last year, you know, we went on that run where we were winning games. Um, and I mean, obviously it hurt the draft position, but you know, I mean, you can't really, you know, you're not going to tell them like, hey, guys, uh, you know, if we win this game, we're going to, you know, jump into uh, sixth position from fourth. So let's go out and lose. You know, that's never going to happen. Um, you know, they're, you know, they're professionals. They're going to go out and try their best. And, you know, so as fans, I mean, I, I totally understand why fans, you know, last year were like, oh, no, we're, you know, we're killing our draft position. It's like it makes sense. But, you know, when you think about it, like, it's, you're kind of rooting for something that's never going to happen. You know, they're never going to like throw a game or whatever, but um, yeah. Yeah. And I'm never going to regret enjoying that run late yeah. last season. I, I do not care. I was having fun because yeah, like you, I, I'd gotten to a point where I was tired. I was just ready for the season to be over, but then like I got reinvigorated as that, that tear happened. And finally it was, it was watching everybody, panic about what we were doing to our draft position it was kind of like okay fine at some point it's like you know what fuck it go yeah. for broke let's let's just have fun oh exactly and um so i i, I think um well, i'm trying to think uh yeah i mean it's screw it. we'll talk about this a little bit later too with with our expectations <laughs> no I'm, I'm trying not to jump ahead and have to come back but i think um you know i think this season I think we, we we definitely have a chance uh, to finish lower than we did last year, but I think that there's also a better chance that the team will be more fun this year. Um, I think <laughs> we'll have to see. It's, it's it's obviously there's there's going to be a couple scenarios that it's going to you know like uh, you know for example uh, you know do we get to see uh, you know cider come up you know earlier than expected. You know, does he play a decent chunk of the season? That 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 would obviously be really interesting to watch. Um, you know, uh, do uh, you know? Obviously, Larkin's taking a big step forward. You know, Mantha started to take a big step forward last year. Then he broke his hand again. Um, but then in the off season, you know, at the Worlds, um, you know, he's looked like a, you know, he, he looks like he's ready to kind of break out even more. Um, 
So, I mean, if it breaks right and we have these players that have, are kind of right on the brink of taking the next step, and if they all do it, it could be a really exciting year. But then with the way our lineup is, we could still lose a lot of games. Um, so in a way, that's almost like the best case scenario because, you know, from an objective standpoint, it, it feels like this team needs at least one more high-end draft pick, you know, to really come out of this phase of the rebuild strong, at, at least in my opinion. What do you think about that? No, I agree. I, there's, I do think that there's a there's a decent chance that the, and I've, i said this last year too so uh you know treat me like the idiot i am but there is a decent chance that this is uh a, a bubble team much later in the season than than expected and it, you know you'll hear ken and mick talking about the the red wings record in one goal games all season long and, and it just it does kind of play out to we know the really good teams aren't playing one goal games <laughs> so <laughs> I, I i know we're not going to be a really good team but i think that there is a a, a decent chance that we are going to be a better team than last year, just because they've gotten a little bit more uh, consistency. Like and, you know, a lot of the the people are talking about, oh, it's a, you know basically the same roster as last year, and that's it's true. But all of the like a lot of the the key parts of the the same roster from last year are kids on on upswings. So um, I do yeah. still want like like I said, my best case scenario is still a team that is insanely fun to watch uh, that is just constantly let down uh, by goaltending, but not in such a way that it uh, destroys anybody's confidence yeah. uh, that, that we really care about in a long, like, yeah, sorry, Jimmy Howard, but I need, I need your confidence destroyed, yeah. uh, <laughs> but nobody else's. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, because I do, I, I do, I, I agree that I think they need one more high end draft pick, uh, and then to get that kind of luck and all that stuff coming together just at the perfect time, um, for, uh, for us to really get the, the rebuild kicked up into the, like where it's no longer a rebuild where it's an ascent. Yeah. And I mean, I think, I think if, especially if we can get like, you know, that top, to maybe top three draft pick this year, you know, I think there's a pretty good chance that next year is going to be the start of us coming back. Um, you know, I'm not saying like next year will be a contender or anything like that, but I think there's a good chance that, especially if we get that top two or three top pick, I mean, especially, you know, the, the first overall pick, then, you know, this will probably be the bottoming out um, of the rebuild. I, I think, I think it's pretty, pretty fair to say that. Wim Radio, ad timeout. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. All right, let's play. All right, so we talked a little bit about this, um, but one of the things we wanted to talk about was the players, um, you know, you know, basically the roster construction coming out of preseason. Um, there was a lot of 
especially fan hope, I guess you could say that we would be able to see maybe a player like Joe, you know, maybe well, not just one, but maybe, you know, Joe Valeno, Philip Zadina, um, you know, I mean, even honestly, I thought that there was a chance uh, as the preseason went along that we we might see NHL Maurice Sider for the whole season. Um, I'm not saying it was a bad decision uh, to send him down, but, you know, I mean, like he 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 showed me that he if he's not ready to be in the NHL, he's pretty darn close. Um, so I think it's going to be really interesting to see that because. My my philosophy recently, you know, the last few years has always been if if they're ready to be in the NHL, I want to see them in the NHL. Now, at the same time, I do think that there is a lot of logic behind keeping players in the AHL, at least for the beginning of this season, Um because, you know, like you said before, I mean, as much as I wish it weren't true, you know, Zadina while he while he definitely took some some steps forward overall you know we want you know he's in the lineup to be a goal scorer and he 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 didn't score on the chances that he had um you know i'm not going to be freaking out like oh my god he's going to be a bust or anything but you know i think he you know he's definitely going to benefit from being in the minors and i think the biggest thing for me at least that's different now is the seeming emphasis on playing the prospects in Grand Rapids as opposed to playing the veterans and kind of trying to win more as opposed to develop the players. Uh, Cause you know, last year, like when, you know, Zadina sent down and, you know, I'm looking at the roster, I'm looking at the players he's playing with and I'm like, well, yeah, that's going to be a lot harder to score with those guys setting you up than like Dylan Larkin or Athanasiu or, you know, somebody like that, or, you, you know, even like a Nielsen, of course it's going to be harder for you to score. Like, no, no, that doesn't mean that it's, it's an excuse and it's going to excuse away everything else, but I'm pretty excited to see. I think the line had before, like had Valeno and Zadina playing on the same line. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what they could do. If it looks like they're kind of going more towards what I'd like to see, which is developing the, the Griffin prospects as opposed to giving the veterans all the playing time. Yeah, that's uh, I. I believe I, I. I. I wish I knew. I knew the source of this, but I, I heard essentially a rumor that Iserman is not as concerned with the Griffins being a an AHL contender because that's that's the way they've been built for the last few years, and because they've been very much in favor of you know yeah we've got some kids down here we want them to learn we want but we want them to essentially learn how to be champions at the AHL level. And so that'll teach them how to be, you know, good at the NHL level. And I, I, like I said, I, I heard a rumor. And so I'm, I like it enough to just believe it's true without having to have any proof <laughs> that uh, Iserman's kind of concept of that is no, I don't care. I want the kids learning. And with how many first rounders down there, the the concept of being able to contend in the AHL should follow naturally. But I I don't care about it being a a priority. So yeah, they uh, when uh, our own uh, Jason Cassioric uh, Stripe, who who writes recaps for us for the Griffins, tweeted their practice lines that yeah they've got Valeno, Zadina, and Pumple as essentially the Griffins' first line, and I do I like that like that is. 
skill for getting Zadina the puck. And Pumple is a really good. He is that that grinder who's going to make space for the guys, but he's also he's got skill. Like uh, Pumple is very much he is always going to be that kid who is like really good at the AHL level that a bunch of fans are are in love with that want to see him get that that chance to prove himself at the NHL where he's basically replacement level. He's not as good as like Taro Hirose, um, but I I really like him at the AHL level, especially on this line, and so yeah, I, I like the way that's set up. And then that second line is uh, Turner Elson and, and Chris Terry uh, with Michael Rasmussen. And I think that that's not as, as skilled, but it's a good opportunity for Rasmussen to really carry a line and start proving that he can make his team, his line mates better. And then on the third, you got Giovanni Smith with uh, Dominic Turgeon and, and Evgeny Svechnikov. And Svechnikov is the guy I don't expect to be in great. I expect him to be in grabber efforts for the least amount of time. Um, it is time for him to yeah. prove himself at the NHL level. Uh, it's just he is going to – he missed an entire year of hockey. He is going to need time to get back into the swing of things. And so I don't know if – I don't know if my expectations are he'll be up before Christmas, but I do expect that he will finish the season in Detroit. Mm. And then everybody else, uh, yeah. you know, who cares? Um, <laughs> nothing against nothing against Matt Ford mm-hmm. or uh, I really like Luko Savicius just because I really I love that guy's name. Yeah, exactly. But and then I mean, it, it, it sounds like a Harry Potter spell. <laughs> He's a slurring. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. And then on the defense, like I. Uh, my my biggest concern there is is cider because like he, like you said, I he, I think he looks pretty ready but he has never experienced a full north american hockey season and so right, the, yeah. the risk that eiserman is taking there with is he going to play in detroit and hit that that rookie wall that we very much we saw chalowski hit that wall last year is that going to be beneficial to him at the nhl level versus what it's going to cost the Red Wings in having burned a year of his entry-level contract. Like, we already know that he's capable of playing against grown men in limited minutes. We don't want him. That's not his ceiling for us. We don't want him playing against grown men in limited minutes. So are limited minutes with the Red Wings better than super heavy minutes with the Griffins? I I don't know. I know that we all got kind of burned out on Ken Holland's idea of, Overripen, 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 overripen. Um, but I mean, the the farther away we get from the complaints about how Ken Holland overripened everybody, the more it's clear that like outside of Thomas Tatar and Gustav Nyquist, the Red Wings weren't really holding back a lot of those guys. Other than those guys, just weren't as good as we wanted them to be. And you're dealing with cart horse about whether or not they would have been better if they'd been with the Red Wings sooner and and all sorts of considerations there. But yeah, like we got Iserman now. Uh, I'm I'm willing to go fresh fresh look if they are in the concept of we want these kids like because that's we saw Iserman do this with Syracuse. Uh, what was it, like Braden Point played with Tyler Johnson and um, uh, who's that other kid? He's in New York now, isn't he? I don't know. It was like basically an entire line of, of um, absolutely yeah. NHL-ready guys, guys that ought to be playing in the NHL. Just go down to the AHL and, and just kick ass and, and prove that you 
that you can continue to kick ass. And they did that. That was the, that was the year the Griffins beat the crunch in the, the final. And I freaking hated that team. Um, but that seems like Eisman's <laughs> MO is, is if I've got space to do that, why not? And if we are still in the concept that we want the Red Wings to be contending for a lottery spot, then, you know, what's the harm here? Right. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, at the same time, you know, this is this is, you know, Cider's first year. You know, he's just drafted last year. So I I believe you're going to see him in the NHL this year. Like, I think that's. I, I think that's like the least bold prediction you could make is that Maurice Sider plays in the NHL this season. Now, obviously, once you start expanding the number of games, it can become maybe a little bit more bold. But um, I mean, I think I, I think you're going to see like, you know, I don't think he's going to be the AHL for the entire season. I think he's going to get up at least at least for a little bit. Um, but, you know, even if he were to stay in the AHL all season, you know, I think that's different than what some of the fans have been complaining about when you're talking about like the over ripening thing, you know, that's, you know, you draft him and he plays in the HL for one season and then comes to the NHL. I mean, that's, you know, it's kind of hard to complain about that in, at least in a, you know, in a vacuum. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him. And yeah, so I, th- I think this is definitely an exciting year uh, for the, you know, for the Griffins in terms of being able to watch these young players, um, so we kind of talked about this next topic a little bit already, right? Our expectations for the season, um, as I'm sitting here thinking about it, I mean, I think we pretty much talked about what our expectations are. Um, is there anything you wanted to add to what we said before about like how we think the team will be this year? Uh, no, I, <laughs> I, I think we've squeezed all the blood from this uh, stone we can. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure what else is left to be said. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. I mean, like, like it seems like the the expectation should be that we will finish pretty low in the standings again, um, with the obvious caveat that every year there are a handful of teams that you think are going to be one of the worst teams in the league and then they make the playoffs or they almost do. Um, so, I mean, obviously that's possible, but I think, you know, going into the season, if you're looking at reasonable expectations, the team's going to finish with a pretty, pretty bad record. I think bottom three is, uh, is probably a pretty good range. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see if we have better lottery luck than we have had the last, uh, last couple of years. Um, just just touching real quick, um, uh, you know, I'd alluded to the power play and we talked a little bit about that. One of the things that and, and, and this is this is tough because, you know, it's almost like when you say like drafting for need, it's almost that idea. It's like the team still has a huge dearth of right wing, you know, right shot power play players. Um, and I know I know it's tough. I know it's not like. You know, you're going to go in. It's like, oh, hey, we're going to spend our first round pick on a right wing shot just so that we can have that. Um, but at the same time, you know, from from watching the team last year, not having two right handed shots so that we could put one on each power play unit and have you know them on the, the half walls to get the one timers. To me, that was a pretty big like detriment to the team because 
basically when the puck goes back to the point, you kind of know if it's if it's going to come for like a dangerous chance because it's going to go to one side and not the other. If it's going to go the other side, you know, it's going to then get passed or something like that. Now, granted, that doesn't mean you can't succeed with that. You know, there's there's ways to kind of, you know, have the players in motion and set up other types of chances. But I do think that not having that extra right shot uh, on the power play could hurt him again. I, I I'm really interested to see what they do. I'm really interested to see if they, if they build more, especially with Thomas Vanek, not on the team anymore, if they build more on what they were doing for part of the year last year, where they would have the net front player slide out and sometimes even go behind the net um, because that was really effective. Um, and one of my biggest pet peeves last year is they would do that and it would always lead to a great chance and then they would never do it again the rest of the game. So I, <laughs> I'm kind of really interested to see what's going to happen because um, one of the things we always talk about, at least the last couple of years, is, you know, Jeff Blaschel, um, in my mind, and I, I guess I say the same thing every year, like he seems to have a style of play that he wants to do and then every year he realizes he can't do it with the players he has. So I'm kind of interested to see now that there's you know a new general manager, it seems likely that he's going to have, if if not the whole season, it's not like he's going to be, you know, if you go on a three-game losing streak, then we're going to fire you. Um, so I think it's going to be interesting to see if maybe we see more of that on the power play, uh, you know, kind of more experimenting, more trying different – formations and, and movement and behind the goal line and things like that. So, so for me, that that's the one thing that I didn't talk about before that I'm, I'm pretty interested. In. No. Yeah. And it's actually two really good points. So I guess I'll, I'll go, uh, uh ladder first. And, and you brought this up Yeah, is what kind of leash are we expecting for Jeff Blaschel this year? Like I know that Steve Eisman said he wants to spend time really getting to know this organization. So this very much does feel like this is a year of, you know, let's just learn stuff so that I, it feels like Jeff Blaschel is his job is safer than it, it was last season, even. But yeah, there's still that if this team gets off to an absolute horrid start, I think that he is he may get the the yank early. I, I think that essentially, and that's where I and I kind of want to get your your take on this. I feel that if, if Jeff Blaschel hmm. survives until. Uh, Thanksgiving, American, not Canadian, the real Thanksgiving, um, then he's probably good for the rest of the season. But if, if he doesn't, then obviously, you know, congratulations on uh, Dan Biles about getting most of it. Yeah. It's like, it's interesting because, uh, you know, I, I do agree that he has a, a longer leash with, with, um, Iserman being here than he would if, uh, it was still status quo from the last few years. Um, it's interesting as you were talking about. It, I was like, so is like Dan Bilesma like the sword of Damocles, like hanging over Blashill's head, <laughs> and it's just like how thick is the string? I like I, I'm, uh, uh, yeah. I mean i I think I can definitely agree with that. I think the the one thing that I see that could get him fired is 
I mean, basically what, what's, what, what gets every coach fired usually is like a long losing streak. Um, I mean, I had forgotten about this, which is I, I guess I had put it out of my mind when I went back to uh, to look at the bold predictions from last year. Um, I saw that Sarah had a prediction where the Red Wings will have at least one seven plus game losing streak. And I didn't have to go more than seven games in the beginning of the season to be like, that was true. I had actually forgotten that. <laughs> <laughs> I had totally forgotten how bad it was. Um, I mean, I think if that happens again, I think he, he could very well be gone. Um, yeah. Uh, but I mean, I, I think it would have to take something like that. Um, I mean, the other thing that I think could lead to it would be multiple games in a row, like maybe two or three, like the infamous uh, Montreal 10-1 game. Um, I seem to remember there was a game that was almost equally bad last year. Uh, I think Sarah had the recap because I had the one the year before and I was commiserating. It was, it was either Sarah <laughs> or Lauren, definitely. And I remember there was one game that kind of felt like that Montreal game last year. And I think if there was a couple of those games in a row, I think that could that, you know, that could do it. Um, but outside of that, I mean, I think I think Eiserman is going to give him this year uh, to, you know, to see what he can do. Yeah, and I'll, I'll reiterate, and if you've been listening to me for any point of time, it is that I think Jeff Blaschel is fine for right now. I don't think he's going to be the guy who's going to coach the Red Wings uh, when they're next contenders, but uh, they're not ready for that coach yet anyway, and, and so there's a timing issue. What I want to see is I want to see, like, Jeff Blaschel as the season goes along, or not Jeff Blaschel, Dan Bilesman as the season goes along, like, try to dress exactly like Jeff Blaschel just to, like, <laughs> like I'm slow, I'm taking over your life. Um <laughs> and then the second point is you mentioned about the the power play setup, and I uh, this is something that uh, Prashant noticed during the the preseason uh, with that top that top unit that looked consistently really good until the end of the preseason. Um, but much of what they were doing was they were running the power play from the goal line or behind it even, and that yeah. was creating a lot of good stuff for them uh, without necessarily having to rely on that uh, that right shooting guy. So I do think that they've got a good plan for that. I, I don't know what the second unit is going to look like, but that's essentially going to be the, the killing time until the first unit can come back on kind of group. So uh, other than that, uh, I don't know. Teach, uh, <laughs> teach Justin Applicator the backhand slap shot maybe? <laughs> Yeah, because I um I was talking to or I was yeah I was talking on Twitter with with Max Boltman from the Athletic, and uh you know because last year last year when I was doing the power play art you know power play series he was he, you know he he would frequently talk to me about it because he number one he was really interested in what I was doing but then number two it was really nice because you know we don't have somebody in the locker room and you know there were a couple times where he asked Blashill a question not really for me, but like a question I had asked him, Hey, like, what do you, you know, what do you think about this? And then like the next day he's like, Oh, here's what Blashell said, you know? So, so that was pretty cool. Like, you know, we were talking about that a lot last year and um, I know he was saying that on power play unit two, I think, Oh, what was it? It was, I think they had uh, either Chalowski or Hronik were on, was on one. And the, the one of them that wasn't was on power play two, but they were on the half wall and green was at the point. And like I said before, I really kind of don't really want Mike green on the power play anymore, but uh, well, first of all, if, if cider comes up, then he can replace green on that unit. 
Um, but I think it was, it was really interesting to have, uh, you know, if you're going to play two defensemen, having that second defenseman, uh, you know, uh, you know, set up on the half wall like a forward, basically, uh, or, you know, in, in the modern kind of setup. Because um, actually last year, that's something that the team did a little bit with. I think it was Cronwall and Hronik on the same unit. And I remember that first game. Chronic looked like he had no clue what to do. Like on the breakout, he was like lost. Uh, and then the next game started to look a lot better. You know, I, I, if I remember correctly, it was only a few games that they did it. But by game two or three, he really kind of seemed to, okay, now I know where I'm supposed to be. I know the positioning. And he was able to, you know, make some really good chances from there. So it'll be interesting because, you know, like I said, we, in my mind, we need to have at least one more right shot player it could be a, a defenseman or a forward who can play on there um but obviously you can't force yeah. that you know you can't make, you know hey, hey you know hey hey hey, hey uh I, I know you play lefty <laughs> but now you play righty that's not gonna work so uh, now before we get to reader questions um one last thing we had on the rundown was things we're looking forward to again we've kind of talked about some of these at least um so i'm gonna say one thing that i'm looking forward to and there's going to be a big asterisk here because I don't know if this is going to happen. But based on everything that we've heard, I think there's a much better chance of this happening than last year is I am looking forward to, to extended uh, viewing of the Larkin Mantha Bertuzzi line because last year it was dominant uh, and it was infuriating that they then were not playing together. <laughs> You know, we always, you know, fans always complain about the blender. And one of the things to always keep in mind is pretty much every coach does some version of this. I'm not saying to the extreme that we see it sometimes, but it was just like you have one thing that's working, like keep doing that. Like that's working really well, you know, mess with the other stuff, but keep them together. And I know obviously going into training camp, it was like, that's the line. That's one line. Um, as I'm saying that, I'm thinking of like George Costanza with jerk store and he's like, that's the line. And so, yeah, so actually, you know what, we can call them the jerk store line and nobody will get it, but, but me and you, and I'll, I'll still think that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see the thing. I mean, that's, that's like the one most correct answer, uh, <laughs> is, is watching that line, uh, stick together and, so I'm going to go totally off because it was a, a thought that I had earlier today, and it's not even Red Wings related. Um, it's I'm looking forward to the day that we can wake up and, and John Tortorella is like has nothing to be offended about. And so on that day, I think he will cease to exist. Because it was a, a quote earlier from earlier today, like, you know, I was counting us out, and all those guys left us, and, you know, screw them, they don't believe in us, that puts a chip on our shoulder, and it's like, it made me realize that, that I think that's what I don't like about John Tortorella, is like, he his entire motivation, his entire reason to, to exist is just to be, you know, pissed off because people don't believe in him enough, and it's like, ah, eh, screw off. So at some point, I'm just rooting for everybody to like John Tortorella, so that he's like, I want to see if he actually disappears from the face of the earth. All right, so before we get to um, our favorite part of every episode, which is your reader questions, we are going to go to a break. Wim Radio, ad timeout. All right, let's play. 
All right, so welcome back to that uh, from that uh, short bit of uh, silence, or hopefully an actual ad. Uh, if not, either way, we're going to get down to read your questions, my favorite part of every single episode, uh, with a shot from Big Tech's D304. Will Jimmy Howard be good enough to trade this year? It seems there are plenty of questionable goalie situations out there on teams that are supposed to contend for the playoffs. Three or four in the Pacific Division alone could use him as a, vet, a veteran backup uh, slash 1B. Uh, what do you think? Are we going to get to trade Jimmy Howard this year, Peter? No. And here's why. <laughs> it would be funny if I just said no. It's like, what do you think? Um, <laughs> no, bye. Yeah. Here's why. Because he had a good season last year. You know, I mean, he wasn't a Vesna candidate, but, you know, he had a pretty good season for Jimmy Howard. And I think that if there was, you know, I think if there was a market for him that he would have been traded and he wasn't. Uh, so I don't think that it's going to be any different this year. Yeah, I think he's got a more palatable deal now than he did. But I, I agree with the, the market consideration. And I, I, for some reason, I do not have him as trade bait on my radar unless something really interesting goes on. Like, because I, uh, like, even with the team tanking, do we want to finish the season with, with Bernier and, and, Pickard as as our goalie tandem for the last couple of months of the season. Like, Ooh, I think <laughs> I think he will be good enough technically to trade. I do not think that a team is going to be desperate enough to pay the prices that we should be demanding in that trade, and so I don't think he will be traded. But that's a that's a really good question, a really interesting uh, concept. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. Groot Squad uh, asked us two questions. The very first one was an FMK, so we're gonna we're gonna dig into that bravely. Uh, for those unfamiliar with, and he actually put a KMF, but uh, that's not how I think of it. Yeah. Uh, I know. I was gonna say, is that like KMF? The <laughs> right uh, FMK for for yeah. those uh, uninitiated, meaning it stands for Fuck Mary Kill. So out of these three, you have to choose one for each, and our three names are Iserman, Mantha, and Larkin. Oh my God. Uh, huh. Okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Mary Eiserman just because he's a legend. Um, and I think that I could, I could get a lot of, uh, I could get a lot out of that. I don't think I'd, I'd ever have to pay for a meal in Detroit again. Uh, so that's cool. Um, and then I think the obvious answer for for fuck is going to be Larkin after that after that ad uh and then Mantha leftovers kill I'm I like you but sorry yeah I mean that's that's exactly the right answer uh like you you marry the old captain and you you cheat on him with the the young next captain so <laughs> perfect yeah. and then uh, Mantha's like oh well we, I I couldn't I couldn't do either of those so sorry I I I didn't want to so, yeah, and then on um, a more serious note, who do you guys think yeah. gets the first call up from Grand Rapids, and do they stay put? So uh, I'm going to try to answer this one first, and I'm going to say the first call up is going sure. to be you know I was going to say Svechnikov, but I don't think so. I think it's going to be a defenseman. Uh, so I'm going to say that defenseman who's going to get that very first call up is going to be Oliver Kasky. I think they're just going to give him that just for funsies uh, and because they're going to need a, a warm body sooner. Yeah, it, it's it's a tough question because obviously with the reader questions, I don't want to spend 
you know, 10 minutes on a question. Um, a lot of it does depend on the the type of call up. Like, is this a long term call up? Is this a two game injury call up? You know, you know, well, obviously a long term call up would probably be an injury call up, too. But, you know, is this going to be like a couple games or is this going to be a couple weeks or a month? Um, but all of that, uh, all of that aside, I do agree that it's going to be a defenseman, and I am going to go with McElrath. And the reason why is because I think that's probably the one that would make most of the fan base most angry. So I think that's going to happen. <laughs> good, good, good call. Um, the next question is actually it's from Happy Peppy ninety six, and, and unfortunately, this question deals with kind of a hypothetical situation that isn't allowed by the CBA. So I'm just going to say uh, no and skip past it. Um, hmm. Go right to mistakes were made. Uh, should they try to keep AA at center? I say yes and see how it goes. And if Rasmus Valadino turned into a legitimate centerman, then move him to wing. But I don't see how honing his skills at center would detract from him being a great winger. Stevie thinks differently. Do you? Now, he's talking about Steve thinks differently. So this is obviously Steve Jobs, right? Um, yes. Okay. Right. I. I would rather I I like I like Athens to see you at wing. Um I I get the whole I, I, I get why they're why they tried him as center. I get why they might keep trying him as center. It's not one of those things where I think if you think Athens to is better at center, then like you're completely wrong. Um I can see the logic behind it. Um, you know, centers are more valuable. Uh, so first of all, obviously, it's you know it's, it's helpful if you have more players that can play center well on a team. Also, just you know, because this is a business, uh, if you can, uh, you know, if you're looking to trade a forward for you know, let's say another really good defenseman, you know, a center is typically going to be more valuable than a wing, and that's going to be helpful. Um, but I just think, I mean, I don't know. I, I I think he provides more value on the wing in terms of being able to be that breakout player, um, you know, just because, you know, the centermen, you know, their job, to, their, you know, their responsibility is to come back further. And I think that him not having to do that is going to allow him to be able to make those kind of, you know, you know, get sprung on those breakaways uh, more often, which I think provides a lot of value. And I think that he can, increases value to the team in other ways in terms of, you know, playing, you know, uh, you know, being more defensively responsible without necessarily being a center. I totally agree. And this is coming from the guy who would play every, all 12 forwards a center and even maybe play some centers on defense. If given the opportunity, I think mm-hmm. that Athanasiu's skill set and I think his, uh, his comportment is, is better suited for, for playing wing. So I mean, yeah, centers are more valuable, but I think uh, Athanasiu is just flat better on the wing, and that, that is what it is. So, uh, keyboard button bash name says, uh, Blenderizer, the game is tied. You need one goal to get into the playoffs. Which line do you go with? And we've got three opportunities. Uh, say so note this is based on where the guys are projected to play opening night, so AA is not an option currently. The last grouping has some tough choices, but I stand by them. So the three choices that you have, the oldest possible six, where you've got Helm, Philpla, and Abby in front of DeKaiser and Green and Jimmy Howard and Goal. The youngest possible six, where you've got Christopher A. and Dylan Larkin, uh, Taro Hirose, Chalowski and Ronick on the back end with Bernie A. playing Goal. 
or the most handsome group. Uh, like I said, your mileage may vary. Helm, Larkin, Mantha, Chalowski, Bowie, and Bernier. Uh, I think that Philpla not being the most handsome group is a personal preference that I don't agree with. But uh, let, let's not dig into the weeds too much of that. Which of those three groups are you taking? Um, for me, it's group number two, and it's not really close. Yeah, I, I like. I'm. I don't know. You get you get Larkin and Manta on the the most handsome group. Yeah. I mean that's but, that's the reason it might even be kind of close for me. Um, I don't think the drop off from Mantha to Hiroshi is that big, and I think the upgrade from Bowie to Hironic is really big. Fair. Um, yeah, that's really tough. Like I, I, I think we we'll throw out the oldest possible six. Uh, just to be different, I will go with the most handsome group to to counter you saying the youngest possible six. But uh, I am not uh, so strongly of this opinion that I'm willing to throw hands over it. So, good question. Oh, it's yeah, it's a great question. Uh, let's see. Um, uh, actual that's not, next. Next one's not a question. Uh, not a question. Not a question. Although I will. This isn't a question, yeah. but I, I do appreciate this, uh, Steve NYC, sharing this with us. Actual <laughs> yeah. com- conversation. I'm so annoyed, honey. Last night was the first night of the hockey season, but the Wings don't play at all until tomorrow night. I'm so annoyed. Uh, so what you're saying is they're still undefeated? <laughs> this is why I love you. That is oh yeah. That is my household in coming out of his mouth. I, I love that. <laughs> and so the last question, oh, yeah, that's great. who can we realistically expect to be dealt at the deadline? I don't see any takers for Helm, Ablocator, Howard, Daly, and I've given up on Green ever being dealt. I could see DK having some value, but with so many demons set to come off the books, I also don't see that happening. Who's left? So it is kind of a downer question. I don't think DDK is going to get traded because I don't think that they're even looking to trade him. Um, I guess I, I do see like it is kind of hard to see the trade value for any of those other guys. Uh, I will say that the, the name that got left off that list is assistant captain Luke Glendening is still a possibility. I still think that he would look attractive to a team uh, looking to add that kind of grit at the, the playoff. Now he's got that, that letter on his jersey, adding leadership and, you know, adding around to the pick that you got to give up for him. I, I think that he might get dealt. Yeah, and especially with that $1.8 million cap hit, that's going to be really attractive to a team that's paid approximately $85 billion to four players um, recently. <laughs> uh, so I, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, I feel the same way. I mean, I think the only other, the only other possibility is kind of like a shakeup trade, and by that I mean, I'm not saying I want this to happen, but I mean like an Athanasi or a Mantha or something like that. Um, again, I'm not saying I, I want that to happen or I think that'll happen, but I think outside of a player like Glendening, I think that's the most likely. And by that I mean I don't really consider, I don't really think there's going to be too much activity at the trade deadline going out. I think the team would like to, but I don't think that the buyers are going to be there. I mean, I think the one exception that we talked about before could be Mike Green if he is healthy and if he um, has a better season than last year. He could be, you know, because it's the last year of his contract. Um, you know, so they're they're getting him as a rental, as we always talk about, even though he has a you know pretty high cap hit of just just under five and a half million. Um, you know, it's going to be prorated at the trade deadline. So it's going to be a lot easier for them to fit under their cap. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a possibility. 
I, I wouldn't say I think it's likely, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, outside of that, like, there's an outside possibility we may be able to flip Bowie for a real low pick. Um, yeah. Adam Ernie might be one of those guys, like like a, a poor man's Glenn Denning, uh, uh, honestly. Mm. The, the kind of grit guy with some kind of hands who can provide glue and provide kind of the – the St. Louis Blues in last year's playoffs of, of a, a tough guy who's going to beat the other team up and and that brings that value. Um, that's possible. Like, yeah, I don't think that we're going to end up with with more than one first rounder out of out of what we end up trading yeah. for. But if we pick up uh, an extra late rounder just to to get a body off the roster, sure, cool. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. Right, that's going to do it for your questions. So I'm going to kick it back to you. And uh, I, I don't think we need a positive corner. We've been pretty positive this time, have we? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think uh, I, I I think this has been a, a very positive podcast. Um, now we'll have to see the next time we check in after we play some games how uh, how positive we are. But you, know, <laughs> you never know. I mean, like, like it does. We did get some good news today that that Dylan Larkin um, is is planning on playing in the opening uh, in in this in the the season opener, um, and I think that's obviously going to be going to be very helpful. Uh, Athanasiu, it sounds like he he's questionable, but it doesn't sound like it's going to be like a long term thing. So that's good. Um, so so we'll have to see. Um, before uh, we wrap this up, one thing I wanted to make sure to talk about is uh, if you go on our website on wingingandmotown.com, you are going to see uh, an article for the charity challenge. Now, last year we raised just over, I think it was like $3,300 for the Concussion Legacy Foundation. And that's been the charity that we've been donating to the last two years. And obviously that's still a good charity. And if you have some excess money, that's a good place to send it. Um, but this year we are uh, changing the the charity that we donate to, and it's going to be the Jamie Daniels Foundation. Um, so, uh, you know, basically Jamie Daniels is Ken Daniels' son uh, who died of a, an overdose um, while he was trying to, uh, you know, he was in recovery. Um, and, you know, there's been a lot of news articles about that and uh, some documentary footage, et cetera. Um, so, you know, if you're not familiar with that, if you go on to our website, there's a link to the foundation. You can read about it. I'm pretty sure they have videos and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, it's a really good organization uh, and we're, we're very happy to, to help out uh, with that. So we're going to be raising money. Um, th- it's really simple. Basically, you go on there. There's a Google form and you pledge a certain dollar amount for something like, say, for example, if you pick Dylan Larkin and you say you're going to spend, you know, pledge a dollar for every point he scores uh, at the end of the season, you add it up and you make your donation. Um, There's also a minimum amount, you know, which you don't have to do, but, you know, you could say I'm going to pledge a minimum of fifty dollars or what, you know, whatever works for you. Um, and then at the end of the season, uh, you, you go on and you make that pledge. And if you send us a, like a screenshot of your donation and it's $25 or more, you will be entered to win a, uh, a, you know, customized, uh, Red Wings Jersey. Uh, the winner last year took a, an Athens CU, uh, Jersey. So if, you know, obviously that's a, you know, a little bit of an incentive, uh, but like I said, it's a really great organization and we're really happy that we can, uh, that we can support them. Amen to that. So uh, for, uh, for JJ, I'm Peter. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, and we'll be back at you soon with another episode. Bye. Wink. <laughs>